You are listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, DC, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. I love that our text today um, is found in Mark chapter 2, one of the the great stories of our faith. So if you've been around church, you're going to know this particular text. If you're not around church a lot, you're going to be blown away by this story, this eyewitness story of what happened in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And I'm encouraged today because I was sharing with Ben Stewart earlier about the message that I was going to share today. And he said, no way. If we had had an online gathering in DC, I was going to preach on the exact same passage today. So I feel like we're on the right track at Passion City Church today. I've titled the message, Why Christianity is Not a Crutch. I was listening to talk radio, which I don't normally do, but I think all of us have listened to a little talk radio this week. And uh, someone had called in and said, hey, I saw where the president has declared this national day of prayer. If there was a God, this wouldn't be happening. And nobody needs to be asking some imaginary God to solve a very real problem. We need to put our minds together and solve this. And then the caller used this phrase, which I've heard people use many, many times in life. And the caller said, and by the way, you know, Christianity is just a crutch. I think their actual words were religion is just a crutch for the weak. We need to be using all of our abilities and our brain power and our energy to solve the problem and not waste our time calling on some imaginary force up in heaven. And I'm sitting in my car thinking, the whole world is in a panic. Uh, People are uncertain and fearful all over the place. People are rattled because it seems like the things that we would assume are safe havens, like the fact that there's always going to be food at a store or uh, the stock market's always going to go up or I'll always send my kids to school. Safe havens all of a sudden don't look so safe. And people are wondering what is going to happen to the future of our nation. And to make a statement that says religion is a crutch, it felt a little bit odd to me, but I thought, Lord, if you'll let me, I want to preach around that on Sunday, and I want to take that idea head on. Therefore, I've titled the message, Why Christianity is Not a Crutch. And uh, just stay tuned, because it's actually worse than that. Our story comes from Mark chapter 2. I want to read the text, and then we'll jump in. I'm starting in verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. After digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on so that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God 
alone. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone to which I say, no kidding. They praised God saying, quote, we have never seen anything like this. Now that line captured me because this has been on a lot of our lips in the last few days. I've never seen anything like this. The word unprecedented used over and over and over again. I've never seen anything like this. We've never been through anything quite like this. We've never faced anything quite like this before. And here that same phrase being used because of a different situation and a different context, the concluding line was, we've never seen anything like this. Now to set the stage, it's an amazing moment in time. Jesus is beginning his public ministry. It says a few verses above that he's moving to all the towns in Galilee, visiting all the synagogues, teaching, driving out demons, healing the sick, demonstrating the power that he has from heaven, that he in fact is the son of God. In this particular case, he's come back to Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is home base for Jesus. He grew up in Nazareth, but once he started his public ministry, he based out of this little town right on the tip of the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. And we've seen in the verses before that he's doing miracles there. He's healing the sick in Capernaum. And everyone knows that God is at work in a powerful way in Jesus' life. So that as chapter two unfolds, he's at a house teaching and so many people have crowded around that not only can you not get in the house, you can't even get to the house. Can you imagine the people pressing in to hear this man named Jesus? Now, he's not even fully revealing who he is yet. He's just teaching the word of God and demonstrating the power of God over demonic powers, the power of God over sickness, the power of God to bring remedy to people's lives. And he's not unfolding his full plan as Messiah sent by God to, to redeem the world and pay the price for our sins. He's just beginning to teach and show that he has power from God. But there were these four friends and you know the story, right? The four friends had a friend who couldn't walk, who was crippled and paralyzed. And uh, to this friend, they're like, we've, we've got to get you to Jesus. We, we've heard the story of what Jesus is doing and we got to get you there. So here they all are, one on each corner of his mat, carrying him toward the house. And they're determined that they're going to get him to Jesus. There are three things that I want us to see in the text. And the first one has to do with these four friends. And it is this, that our faith, your faith, my faith, can move the heart of God and impact a person's eternal destiny. Let me say that again. Your faith, my faith, our faith can move God's heart on behalf of another person. 
and can impact that person's eternal destiny. We see from the text that these four friends were not going to be denied. They eventually found a way up the side stairs onto the roof of the house. Most houses in the time of Jesus would have some sort of access to the roof. And this was wide open because everybody was trying to get in on ground level. So these guys are like, hey, here's a way up. Let's go to the top. We'll dig through the roof and we'll get our friend into the house. Now this roof was a thatched roof filled in by mud or clay. So they had to crack through the hardened mud they had to break through. The text says dig through the roof. They had to make an opening big enough to get this entire mat with this guy on it down through the roof. So A, they're tearing up somebody's house on behalf of their friend, but they succeed. They find the right spot. Their trajectory is good, and they end up lowering their friend right in to the very presence of Jesus. And when they do, Jesus looks at the guy, and he doesn't really address the guy situation. He's addressing the friends up on the roof. He's looking up at them going, hey, good job. Now, the homeowner, this is a whole nother story. The homeowner is probably thinking, wow, uh, you just uh, destroyed my roof. But maybe Jesus, he'll put it back together. He's doing a lot of other miracles right now. But Jesus isn't concerned about the roof. He looks up at these four guys and he's like, wow, unbelievable. You couldn't get in the front. You couldn't come in the side. You couldn't get through the courtyard. Your options were limited, but no, you guys would not be denied. You are tearing a hole in a guy's roof to lower your friend into the moment. And he said, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't say to the paralytic on the mat, boy, you must have great faith. I'm going to move because of what you have exhibited or demonstrated. He said, no, your friend's faith has moved my heart. I am now going to move into action on your behalf. And I think more than ever, these are the days we want to be that church. We want to be people who are moving into action on behalf of the people around us. These guys could have taken an easy way out because I think so many times inaction is the handiwork of the enemy. And they easily could have said, there's no way to get in. It's going to be too hard. It's going to ultimately be really costly. It's going to be embarrassing for him. I mean, to lower this guy down in front of all these people, how embarrassing is that going to be? What if we fall through the roof? What if Jesus doesn't like the fact that we tore a hole in the roof? This could really go sideways a lot of different ways. It's risky. We don't know for sure that it's going to work. So I know, let's wait till he leaves the house. Maybe we'll catch him on the road. Let's wait till tomorrow. Maybe we'll get tipped off as to what house he's going to and we'll get there earlier. Let's just try it again tomorrow or the next day. But these guys were like, not today, Satan. Not today. Not for our friend. Not today. We will not be denied today on behalf of our friend. This Jesus man, he is a miracle worker. He is a way maker. And we are getting our friend to him no matter what it takes. Not today, Satan. Not for us. Not for our friend. Not for his future. We are moving out in action. And their faith, their faith moved the heart of God. The question that just lands on me today is, what faith do I have for someone who cannot help themselves today? 
And is the faith that I have for them touching and moving heaven to move on their behalf in times like this and in normal life as well. It's so easy for us to get focused on ourselves and think about what I need and what I need to believe God for and what I need God to do for me. And that's great for us to trust God for what we believe God can do for us. But what an amazing picture of the gospel when we step outside of ourselves and say, God, I want to put my faith into action on behalf of someone else. I want to be thinking of ways I can take someone else into the possibility in the promise of what you alone can do. The second thing that stands out in this text to me is that when the guy now is in front of Jesus, Jesus says to him the opposite of what you would think. The point being that this guy's problem was bigger than he thought. The whole time they're thinking he needs to walk. The whole time he's thinking I need to walk. Once they lowered him through the roof, everybody was thinking this guy needs to walk. He needs to get up. He needs to be able to stand. He needs to be able to support himself. He needs to be able to run. He needs full vitality and the use of his legs. This guy needs to walk more than anything in the world. But when Jesus saw the faith of his friends, he didn't say to him, you need to walk. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. In other words, Jesus said, I know you can't walk, but your problem is bigger than that. Your need is greater than that. And that's what he's trying to say, I believe, to the entire world right now. Yes, God wants to get us through this trial. Yes, he wants to support us in the uncertainty. Yes, he wants to calm us and give us confidence right now as we're going through a situation that no one actually knows when and how it's going to play out. He wants to touch those who are suffering. He wants to comfort those who are isolated. He wants to get us through the challenge that we're in right now. But can I just say this to us, all of us around the world right now, our problem is bigger than just getting through the challenge of these weeks. Our problem is that our hearts need to be reconnected to our maker. Our problem is that we need peace with God. Our problem is that we need access to the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. Our situation is that we need a relationship with God and we need his presence in our daily lives. Our problem is we need a bigger purpose than just living for things on planet Earth. Our problem is deeper than just trying to make it through the challenge of this virus and whatever the next situation is and the one after that. And right now, I believe we have an opportunity, a brief opportunity because of the nature of humanity, a brief opportunity to say to people, you know what? The government, the leaders, the experts, the doctors, they're going to help us do the right things to stay as safe as we can. They're going to help us make the right decisions to limit the spread of this disease. They're going to help us put our family's health at the forefront and our city's health at the forefront, our nation's health at the forefront. But you're not going to hear one doctor, one politician, one talk radio host say, I want to tell you where you can find 
peace. And I want to tell you where you can find confidence. And I want to tell you how you can be reconnected to your creator. And that's what every single person on planet earth needs today more than anything. Our situation is bigger than we think. Our need is greater than what we see on the surface of our lives. And Jesus looks right at this man and he says, your sins are forgiven. I don't know if the man said, I don't know, I needed to have my sins forgiven or who, who, who can forgive sins or how do you know what my sins are? But Jesus knows the thing you need most, I can do. The thing you need most, I have authority for. I have the authority to forgive sins, to erase the debt, to wipe clean the slate and to give you peace with God in a relationship with God now and forever. It's the greatest thing I can do for you, even far greater than getting you up off that mat. I want to get you in peace with God in a relationship with God. I want to give you the forgiveness of your sins. And he's offering that to you today, to me today, today, to everybody in our neighborhood today and everybody on planet earth today. This is what God is offering to you and me. And I just pray that the world will wake up and see it. You know, sometimes I think the church is slow to respond. I feel like in some ways we could have been more ahead of the curve, even here at Passion City Church to say, you know what? We are people of faith and we do follow the spirit and we, we are overcomers and we certainly don't want to give in to hysteria and to fear and to all these things that are flying around us. But at the same time, can we just maybe tune into the fact that this is a reality and we have the capacity and the wisdom from God to make decisions to impact the situation right now. I think sometimes the church is a little slow to react and the world on the outside looks at the church and says, you're kind of out of step with where things really are. But I think in the same way, the outside world, the people who are not in the church oftentimes are a little out of step with where things really are too. And I would just encourage everybody on planet earth to wake up and go, in a hundred days, the whole world has been shaken. Everything that we count on, stand on, depend on, trust in has been tested just like that. In a hundred days, what was around the world and not really affecting us is in our daily rhythm and is affecting people all around the globe. Markets are shaken. March Madness is done. And everything that was normal is upside down right now. It's a good time for people to say, you know what? I need to take stock. Is this really all there is? Is there something greater in life? Is there a bigger purpose? Am I made for something else? What can I trust in? What can I depend in? What can I put my confidence in? And in the middle of it all, Jesus is right there saying, I can give you what you really need the most. Because you know, once this situation passes and it's going to pass. A lot of our marriages will still be in the situation they're in right now. A lot of our mental state will be right where it is right now. A lot of the struggles that we're up against and the challenges, they'll be right there when this passes. God wants to meet you right here and right now. And he wants to start a work in your heart and in your life and build a relationship with you that will give you the confidence and the courage to move on. I love how the last thing in this text, though, that just stands out to me is that Jesus didn't offer this man, once he forgave him of his sins, a crutch. 
You know, the religious leaders who had gathered there, they were checking Jesus out. These were early days for Jesus. And so the teachers of the law, the, the religious leaders of the day, they, they'd heard the stories. And so they're there in the background listening to Jesus teach. And all of a sudden he comes out and says, you know, something that you can't really say, which is your sins are forgiven. Only God can say that. And so they're now talking amongst themselves. Who is this guy who's going to say that he could forgive people's sins? Are you kidding me? What does he think he's God? Well, Jesus is God. So he knows what they're thinking in response to their thoughts. This is awesome as it happens all throughout the gospel. So he just says to them, I got a question for you guys then, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say you're healed, get up, roll up your mat and walk on out of here. And honestly, it might be easier for, for me to say your sins are forgiven because how would anybody know if his sins really were forgiven or not? I think it'd be more difficult maybe to say, get up and take your mat and go home. But Jesus knew that for him to be able to show them that he had authority to forgive sins, this is what Jesus said. He said, let me go ahead and demonstrate that I have the power to heal this man. And so this is what he says to him. He says to the guy, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. Now, I just want to underline and highlight that if I can, this was no hocus pocus behind the scenes. Somebody told somebody later that the guy got up and took his mat and walked out. No, right in front of everybody. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Got my mat. Excuse me. I know y'all are jammed in here. Can I just step over you guys? Thank you so much. Excuse me. Can I just get this way? Excuse me. I'm out. Thanks. Been great being here. I'm going to head on home now. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can I get past you guys? And then as he's going through the courtyard, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me excuse me, I'm leaving now. Excuse me. There's a place uh, right up there because my friends just tore the roof open and people scattered. So y'all could probably get in there right now. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And this guy's gone. He's now home telling people, hey, uh, I don't know. They, they say his name is Jesus. I, I, I don't know where he came from, but he's got amazing power. He told me my sins were forgiven. And then he just said, get up. I got up and look, I'm walking. This is crazy and amazing. What Jesus didn't do to this man is say, boy, you look like you're in tough shape. And the good news is, your sins are forgiven, but hey, uh, let me just offer you this crutch if I can. This guy didn't need a crutch. What was he going to do with the crutch? I mean, maybe he could have used it to prop the window open, or it could have been a giant pointer as he was highlighting things in his story. What was he going to do with the crutch? The guy has been paralyzed his entire life and he can't walk. He doesn't need a crutch. And this is what I say to the caller who said Christianity or faith in God or religion or however you want to put it. For me, it would be Jesus is a crutch for weak people. I'd be like, no, he is not a crutch for weak people. It's far worse than that. I don't need a crutch because spiritually without God, I'm not somebody who just needs, you know, like a momentary bit of help. Spiritually without God, I am dead and done and a crutch isn't going to help me in the slightest. What I need is the same thing this man needed. I need a miracle. I need resurrection. I need a healing in my life. And what Jesus offered this guy was what he needed. You are whole. Get up. Take your mat, friend. 
Go on your way. Head on home. Get back to your family. Tell everybody on the way what the Lord has done for you. Good job, guys. Way to go. Your faith moved heaven and earth, and this guy has got peace with God, sins forgiven. Congratulations, young man. You're walking out of here. Get your mat and go home. And what we're offering to the world today as the church of Jesus Christ on behalf of him is not something to help you through a season. We are offering a resurrection to bring you back to spiritual life again. We're offering a miracle of God healing your heart, restoring everything about you, bringing you back to spiritual life and connecting you forever into his story of victory. This is what God is offering to the world today. Not something to help the weak, but a miracle to raise the dead and to bring us back to brand new life so that people would say about you and say about me, we've never seen anything like this. I believe it's still possible for God to turn your story around, to raise you up off whatever it is that you're on, whatever lostness, whatever hopelessness, whatever darkness, whatever fear, whatever sin, whatever has gripped you. I believe it's still possible for this Jesus to raise you up off of that mat today and to give you brand new life, the kind of hope and life in a relationship with him that you can carry back to your home, to your friends, to which they would say, wow, unprecedented We've never seen anything like it. God has turned the story around. That's who we are today. That's, that's who we are as the church. That's the God that we serve and the God that we worship today. And that's who we want to be in the midst of these uncertain times that we're walking through. A.W. Tozer said, a scared world needs a fearless church. That doesn't mean that we were never afraid for a bit, that we didn't have any doubts or that we didn't have any emotions where we were, you know, a little bit unsettled. Of course we are in our humanity. It just means that we're going to take all those thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus. We're going to win the battle of our minds and not give in to fear that we're going to believe that God is going to keep us and lead us in the midst of whatever is happening around us. And more than that, we believe God is going to empower us to be his people in this moment. I'm excited that whatever happens, the church is poised to reach out, to care, to love, to minister, to support, to help in any way, any person who's been affected by what our nation is going through because the church has always done that. You know, today we're in a lot of empty buildings around the world, but did you know that every single week, it's not to put any shade on what we're going through. It's not to minimize what's happening at Passion City Church today. It's just to open our view a little bit wider today and to understand that our brothers and sisters in Christ in Saudi Arabia, some of them, they had church this week at the mall in the stock room of the store after hours, a few people gathered there. 
And that's where they worshiped. It's where they worship every single week. That in China, that the church is worshiping today. In forests, underground, in homes, in warehouses that are off the beaten path where a few dozen people have gathered today, unsuspectingly drifting in randomly to assemble, to very quietly whisper their songs of praise. This happens every day, every week, every Sunday of every year around the world. The church under pressure, real pressure goes forward. The church under test and trial goes forward. The church never stalls and it never stops because Jesus promises good today. And he said, I'll build it in every place among all people and not even the gates of hell will be able to stop me. We're a part of that story. This man got brought into that story. You and I, we get brought into that story. We get to be a part of that overcoming story of the victory that is Jesus. And so for a few weeks, we will meet in empty buildings. For a few weeks, we'll utilize technology. For a few weeks, we'll be texting each other. And even from this talk, uh, the notes will come out again via email tomorrow to everybody that's on our Passion City email database. There'll be follow-up. There'll be somewhere to go, someone to talk to, your friends. You can still text. You can still call a friend. You can still do your soap journeys and your Bible studies. You can still get into God's Word, and you can look for the opportunity to say, I want to reach out to somebody outside my world, and I want to bring this hope, this encouragement, this life, this power to them. encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast.